возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которая очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это – да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться.
голос влек меня до голос высоты Иди вперед за ним сквозь ужас тьму Я не один иду, идет со мной она Любовь великая, любовь Христа Христос, кто на землю грязную чистоту принес, пострадал за меня и за тебя, жизнь свою отдал за нас, не жалел себя.
And so before we continue to study and submerge into the depths of our inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of the study of the Word of God is Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. 
And so for us as partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what is necessary to be done from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we put on the new way or form of life. Ephesians 4, 22-24 That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, into righteousness and holiness. To fulfill this command, we need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs. And these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting questions will depend on whether you transform yourself, our salvation, or will we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath? Or more specifically, will the completion of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it and our names be forever blotted out of the book of life? In a particular format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the question, what conditions are we to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we began the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Linked to clothing ourselves into our new person, we came to the conclusion that we need God's help, that is, we need His mercy because the mercy of God is the great and unique power of God, identifying the essence of God, as well as the inheritance prepared for man, born from the seed of the word of truth. The means of receiving any kind of help from God, that is, receiving God's mercy, is prayer and worship. Prayer is not just the means of communication with God, but it is also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven to do God's work on earth, and we are called to give God this right only upon his established conditions. One of these is the prayer of David, written in the 143rd Psalm, revealing the conditions upon which a person is called to give God the right to intervene with his mercy into his life, and this has been the subject of our study. Psalm 143, 1-12 Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness, like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. 
Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. To be heard by God, David needed to present to God a basis, a cause, or a particular right that would be able to serve as sufficient evidence before God for the intervention of God's mercy and faithfulness and righteousness in David's life. And such evidence in this particular prayer were ten arguments that David presented to God saying, Hear me that we also need to present to God, have within ourselves these ten arguments. Hear my prayer in your faithfulness and in your righteousness. Hear my prayer because I remember the days of old and I meditate on all your works. Hear my prayer because I spread out my hands to you. Hear my prayer, for in you do I trust. Hear my prayer, because I lift up my soul to you. Hear my prayer, because in you I take shelter. Hear my prayer, for you are my God. Hear my prayer for your name's sake. Hear my prayer for your righteousness' sake. And hear my prayer, for I am your servant. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument. This was evidence that David abided in faithfulness and righteousness that gave God the lawful right to stand on the side of David in his oppositions against his enemies. And stop to study the second argument. This was evidence that David presented in prayer that he abided in the memories of the days of old and all of the deeds that God had done in those days. From this we can see, or maybe a conclusion that to be heard by God in the revelations of his Urim, that is, the revelations of the Holy Spirit that presents the Urim, it is necessary to keep within your mind the works of God. This is his Thummim that God had done in the days of old. Thummim is the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh that is written upon the tablets of our heart. If we keep it, then God has the opportunity by the revelations of the Holy Spirit, the Urim, to reveal what is laying there within our heart. And so we began to study continual prayer in the breastplate of judgment, which was a continual memorial before God. Studying the first question, what by itself is memory, in its essence as well as its definition, we came to the conclusion that memory that is contained in man is a program placed with, within or into a pro programmable system. This is a man created by God. This program, in the format of memory, contained in the stem cells of a man, which are carriers of various informational programs, identifies the unique quality of the person, person's nature and his sovereign boundaries or his sovereign I. Proverbs 23.7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Confessing before God the deeds done by him in the days of old as the faith of your heart would give God the right for the intervention of his mercy in our life. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Jonah 2.7 Practically, being in hell, Jonah remembered about the Lord. What do you think? People who end up in hell, can they remember the Lord? They cannot remember because he was not in them. 
People remember God when the name of God is written upon their heart, not just the name God or Christ, but the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, the truth, who God is. And so confessing as the faith of your heart, the program of memory of the works of God done by him in the days of old, we blot out the informational program of destruction passed down to us from the sinful life or conduct of our fathers. And the opposite effect, when we focus our eyes and our thoughts upon the works of men, you blot, we blot out the memory of the works of God within our heart and in this way deprive ourselves of the right to eternal life and ourselves condemn ourselves to perish in the lake of fire. The memory of a person by itself that is contained in his image thinking is a program. It is the strength and a weapon of a man, and if you deprive him of this memory, he will appear as a destroyed city. Psalm 9.6, O enemy destructions are finished forever, and you have destroyed cities, even their memory has perished. Remembrance of the works of God contained in the heart of a person, in image thinking as the genetic program of God, is the inheritance of Christ that is passed down exclusively from one righteous generation to another righteous generation, that is by learning, by being instruction instructed in the faith. Psalm 102.12, But you, O Lord, shall endure forever, and the remembrance of your name to all generations. The remembrance of the works of God that is contained in the heart of a man in image thinking in the format of the genetic program of God is within the heart of a man a holy memorial of God and the component of his unfading glory, which is the place of his abiding. God abides within his word. When you place God's word within your heart and you keep it there, this memory that is written there, God begins to abide there. This is his place. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. Psalm 34. And so this is the program of God that is placed within a programmable system, which is a person born from the seed of the word. Because based upon the many verses in scripture, all of the miracles and the works of God that were done by him in the days of old and carved as a signet upon the tablets of our heart is a revelation of the saving grace of God, who God is for us and what he's done for us. Psalm 111.4, he has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. When these words are written in the Bible, this is not the memory of God, because this is the, the dead pages. Living words of God are written upon a living programmable system. This is his heart, and this is the memory of God. God looks at this living memory in the heart of his children. Studying the second question, what purpose is the continual mem memory of the works of God done by him in the days of old and written upon the tablets of his heart called to perform in the relationship between the redeemed person and God himself, we focused on studying the breastplate of judgment containing in itself the mystery of the Thummim and the Urim by the means of which God was able to hear man and man was able to hear God. The breastplate of judgment as an item of continual remembrance before God God is a sacral symbol of the format of continual prayer. Therefore, prayer that is not in accordance to the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer. When I study the scriptures, if I can uh, form a question 
to a specific place of scripture to something I don't understand. If I can form a question there, then this is already uh, 50% I know what's going on or what it's talking about. If you can correctly form a question, then with that you can already partly or, or partly understand what's already there. The Holy Spirit, before responding to a person about something, he asks a question, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And as soon as God asks this question, you practically immediately uh, go there. You just need to ask the correct question. That is God's concept. That's how God communicates with his people. Because only the format of continuous prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to enter into the holy place as kings and priests to God. We are called to present the interests of the judgments of God in accordance to those commandments and statutes that identify the union of teachings of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, in the twelve precious stones and the twelve names of the sons of Jacob written upon those stones. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2 Continuity in prayer is being vigilant, standing guard at the door of your heart, which is called to deliver us from the coming trials. And such vigilance is identified for man as a brightly burning lamp, identifying the condition of his righteous heart. Proverbs 13.9 The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. <clears throat> revealing in this parable the essence of the joyously burning lamp, Jesus in his time said, Luke 21:36. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. The building order of the breastplate of judgment presents the demands that the true worshiper of God needs to have whom God seeks. Breaking the order of building the breastplate of judgment, identifying the state and nature of the worshiper of God, will not be able to be called the breastplate of judgment as it loses its nature. John 4.23, but, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Upon practice, worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in Scripture, as people have done in all times and many do today because of their stiff neck and hypocrisy and greed. In other words, when they worship God, they think that they're worshiping Him, but as soon as they peddle with the Word, they uh, uh, strive to reach incorrect goals. They're, they need to be striving to reach the perfect will of God or fulfill it. They're seeking... They're seeking their healing, not as the perfect will of God. They're seeking their healing. God heal me, God help me. But this kind of prayer, it deeply wounds and offends God. We need to present this healing as the perfect will of God and ask that he help us fulfill his perfect will and write a check for healing. Because healing will happen only when it will be within our heart. When we will write it, rewrite what is in Scripture that God has placed our sicknesses, our wounds upon the Son of God, and in Him we have received healing. 
we began to move when we have moved it there, re rewritten it into our heart, then can we begin to confess and thank God, Lord, may your will be fulfilled for me. A person needs to be captivated by the will of God, not by his uh, pain, but the will of God. Then this will be the correct prayer. This is the kind of prayer God hears. It will not be peddling his word. You want to fulfill his will. But people do not want to pray this way. They say, Lord, heal. They became used to receiving healing as a gift. But God, as you can see in the last days, he pretty much does not heal anyone as a gift. He wants people to be, to be healed not by the gift but by the fruit that people receive the seed of healing, grow it within their heart, and when they grow and this fruit becomes mature, then this fruit will be your healing. But time, uh, it takes time and sometimes years for this to happen, to grow that fruit. A person doesn't want this. They say, Lord, how long will I be sick? What is this? Do you not hear me? Am I not your daughter? Am I not your son? But God wants for us to bear fruit. There's the gift of faith, there's the fruit of faith. I understand that all strive to receive the gift. All think that the grace of God is just a gift of God. But the grace, the grace of God, it comes so that we can bear fruit. If we will continually rely upon the gift but will not bear fruit, then we will perish. Tens of thousands of healed people that were healed by Christ stood before the cross and shouted that they crucified Christ. Why? Because they received their healing as a gift of faith, but not as a fruit of faith. Those who have received it by, or who will receive by fruit, by the fruit of faith, they will never leave because it's grown in them. Fruit transforms a person into the essence of God. A person becomes as God but lives in the body. But he will have these qualities that God has. He has the ability to overcome, to wait, to be, to persevere, to be patient, and doesn't break. And this is very important. We note that in the Septuagint, that is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice, as by the means of the Urim and the Thummim that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God revealed to man his judgment. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment as the conscience of a man purified from dead works upon the tablets of whom, just as a sign it, is the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh written. In this way, God will uh, be functioning through them and in them, and these are the worshippers that God is seeking. In a particular format, we have already looked at measurements and materials from which the breastplate of judgment was supposed to be built, and now have been studying the next requirement, which states, Exodus 20, 17 through 21, <clears throat> and you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones, the first row shall be serious, topaz, and emerald. Second is turquoise, sapphire, and diamond. Third row, jacinth, agate, and amethyst. And fourth, beryl, onyx, and jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel. Twelve according to their names, like the engraving of a signet, each one with its own name, they shall be according to the twelve tribes. And when the high priest would enter with these 12 precious stones that were uh, four rows and three, uh, the names were written, but you were not able to see them. And these 
stones presented the character of God. The worshiper of God possessed these, uh, these qualities as well, and God was able to receive him. The 12 golden filigree settings of the breastplate of judgment is the written upon the tablets of our heart, the undamaged and presented in its original format truth, identified as the word of God that once came out of the mouth of God, that within our heart is presented in the format of the judgment of God, in the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, that we as worshippers of God are called to present in our continual prayer. The twelve precious stones, with the engraved upon them as a signet, names of the sons of Israel, is a symbol and format of a continual prayer, presented, presenting the perfect judgments of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the word of God that were prepared and adjusted in measurement and configuration for the precious stones, but the precious stones, which are... These being our prayers are the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings. Our prayers need to be adjusted or based upon the word of God, strive to reach or understand the word of God and present the will of God. We as kings and priests do not have the right to present our personal desires. We need to present only the, only the desires of God. You will ask, what do we do if we have may your desires be presented in the desires of God if you love God then God's desires become yours yes God wants to heal us then yes this is the desire of God then present it as the will of God and not your own personal necessity and need and so continual prayer is first of all a persisting prayer that reveals itself in trust in God where a person presents the interests of God and in his, in his intercessions does not back down or refrain from his appointed goal until what is being requested or received requested is received. Even dying, he does not st step away. Many men and women died in the faith not receiving what was promised, but they died in the faith. They died and continued to say, this belongs to me. In some way, God will do something. If they did not receive it here, then God will do something there. But they remained faithful to the end, and they hoped and relied upon God that he will heal them, not because it was written in the Bible, but it was written in the heart. There's a difference between written what is written in the Bible and what is written in the heart. And such trust upon the tablets of our heart, presented in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, with the carved upon them twelve names of the sons of Jacob. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Hebrews 10.35 And so trust, where upon the tablets of our heart there is an absence of the breastplate of judgment, containing in itself the virtue of the twelve precious stones, with the carved upon them twelve names of the sons of Jacob, cannot be trust. We note that the building of the breastplate of judgment in the twelve precious stones contains in itself the same order that the twelve precious foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem has, as well as the order of the twelve pearly gates. However, there are different functions and different purposes. The built order of the twelve precious foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem contains in itself the strategy of the twelve elementary teachings of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, by which we are called to grow ourselves into the image of perfection that is in the likeness of God. The twelve precious foundations of the wall is our goal. Reaching or fulfilling the goal gives us the right to eat of the fruits of the tree of life, bearing fruits twelve times each month its fruit. 
The built order of the twelve pearly gates of the New Jerusalem contain in itself the strategy of the trials with Christ, which are the keys to entering the kingdom of heaven, which is the tree of life that bears fruit of life each month. And so this is our price for the right. This is our, our price to eat of the, tree, of the fruits of the tree of life to be in the trials of Christ. The build, building of the breastplate of judgment is the means that signifies continual prayer necessary for reaching the goal God has placed for us in the building of the tree of life. The order of the tree of life is the building of the new, per, new man created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth into a house of God. Building yourself into a new man is the result or reward of eternal life for overcoming trials with Christ, presented in the twelve pearly gates. And we will remember that all of the beauty and order of the temple was built for one holy item and for the sake of one only item. And that is the golden ark of the covenant. The same thing with the ephod of the high priest, with the connected to it breastplate of judgment. It was created for and served only one holy item. This was very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark and this was the urim and the thummim that were placed into the breastplate of judgment <clears throat> the golden ark as well as the breastplate of judgment symbolically represented the conscience of a man that is cleansed from dead works the urim and the thummim is light and perfection light and the right or revelation and truth The Ten Commandments that were placed inside the Ark of the Covenant was the truth, and this truth upon the breastplate of judgment is the Thummim, the revelation that a person could receive <clears throat> at the mercy seat or the lid of the Ark of the Covenant is the Urim in the breastplate of judgment. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31, 6. God will not place His revelations into into you if you don't have it already. If you don't have the teaching within you, he will not give revelations to the teaching. A person opens the Bible says, I don't understand, I don't understand. Come to church and listen to the word. God didn't make it that you read and understand. He wanted you to read and when the delegated person of God speaks the word that you have already read, then he will begin to reveal it to you. Because when you read, you place it into yourself. But you say, what if I don't understand? Treat it with respect and tremble before this word and place it into you that you'll have truth within your heart, the thummim that you don't understand, but you've placed it there. This is the food of God. And God will see in your heart those things that you placed there as Mary placed the words of Christ, her son, into her heart. The disciples placed the words of Christ that they did not understand into their heart. Many Many stepped away, of course. They, they say, you know, that they were offended when they heard these things. Twelve remain. And he asked the twelve, do you not also want to leave? But he says, no, you have the words of eternal life. 
He explained how they will eat his, his flesh and eat his blood and drink the, his blood. And Jesus told them that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you, the Father revealed to you, that this is the truth. And of course, God then ex uh, was it revealed to them the secrets of things. Carriers of the Thummim and the Urim are worshippers of God and possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11. And of Levi he said, let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah. Because only at that time Levites were able to enter into the presence of God. Today we are all Levites. Each one has their own temple within their heart, and each one, as a Levite, is called to enter into the temple of God. And here it's written, of Le Levi, he said, Let your Thummim and the Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, O Lord, and accept the works of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him that they rise not again Deuteronomy 33 8-11 you see what kind of blessing and what kind of protection is given to those people that possess the Thummim within their heart and the Urim comes to them and responds to that Thummim if you have the breastplate of judgment you have the Urim and the Thummim Looking at this blessing that Moses, the man of God, blessed Levi with, we can see that people that join themselves to the chosen by God nation, people who join themselves to the chosen by God re remainder, I am a child of God, but who confront those who carry the Thummim and the Urim and hate, they criticize, they come to church not as students but as inspectors. They say, let us hear what he will tell us today, but we, we are checking him. We're How can you check him? Is he not reading the same Bible? He's reading the same Bible. Are you checking whether he's reading correctly? He will read it correctly, but as soon as he explains it, you will understand upon the condition that the the word is in your heart. If it's just in the Bible that you're checking in the by the Bible, then you are unfortunate. <clears throat> it is necessary to understand that if you confront those who carry the Thummim and the Urim and hate those who carry, hate because they themselves do not carry the Thummim and the Urim. An undesired future awaits in lake of fire with ashes and brimstone. And so it is in vain then that you sit in those churches and it is in vain that you come and it is in vain that you eat your bread because you do not accept your pastor, you continually criticize him, you are continually are trying to remove him. I'm not talking about us specifically in our church. God, God has done his work and has placed a theocratical system, but I'm talking about those systems that are not godly, where because of these democratic structures, they are able to remove or uh, people who they who they don't like and place a person that they that will deceive their ears. In this church, they just need to leave as soon as possible. That unclean one 
has been removed uh, because, because uh, due to votes. Uh, he, he said we need to implement democracy and have the ability to vote. He had actually uh, uh, chosen this method of service and they removed him from service. This is how it works and it's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate what the pastor depends on the people and is afraid to tell them the truth because if they tell him the truth, uh, they will remove him and tell him that they don't like him. In a particular format, we have already studied the first five qualities of worshiper by which God was able to continually reveal and fulfill his interests upon planet Earth. And so there are five qualities in the five stones, precious stones. And today we will continue to study the sixth quality of a worshiper. This is the precious diamond, the sixth quality, the sixth stone in the breastplate of judgment, and the sixth name in the second row from the bottom upon the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment of our heart is the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, which means wrestler. We note that the diamond whose whose name uh, Naphtali was engraved as a brilliant stone. The word brilliant really doesn't apply to any other stone except the diamond. This includes gemstones faceted in some other kind of way that isn't the brilliant shine and polish of a diamond. Considering the meaning of the name Naphtali, wrestler, carved upon the precious stone diamond, a weapon we need to utilize to confront and battle against our enemies. This is continual prayer in the power of the Holy Spirit that is in accordance to, to the requirements of the precious diamond stone faceted with a brilliant polish. According to the Jewish rabbinate, the name of God we see revealed in the precious diamond stone in Hebrew is El-Hai, which when translated means God is alive or the living God. Therefore, based on the definition of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we can conclude that the function of the sixth principle placed into the foundation of our continual prayer, which we need to which needs to be a continual memorial before God, is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell which confront us when we fulfill the will of God. Praying all, always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Ephesians 6.18 The Holy Spirit conjoins us in our prayer battle upon one condition, and that is when our prayer satisfies the requirements of the perfect will of God, El Hai, contained upon the tablets of our heart, in the conditions of the breastplate of judgment. Jeremiah 10.10 But the Lord is the true God, He is the living God, and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble, and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. We note that the name of the living God was the format of an oath and the category of the nation that had not learned to swear by the living God or were swearing falsely were completely and utterly destroyed. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. And it shall be if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives. <clears throat> this is the path of righteousness where people swear by the living God. The Lord lives as they taught my people to swear by Baal. I will not step away until you give to me. As they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. 
And so I shall remind us that alive or living when it comes to God, El Hai, means abiding, who is, with unconditional authority, defining a genesis, creating a genesis, holding a genesis, keeping a genesis, ruling over a genesis, and command, a commander and lord of the genesis. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oath in his name. He is your praise and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Deuteronomy 10, 20 and 21. The result of swearing by the name of the living God was always the fulfillment of the promise of God for the sake of which the oath was made. Joshua 3:10 through 13 and Joshua said, "But this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fa without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites, Hevites, Perizzites, Gergesites and the Jebusites. Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord." of all the earth. And so God, when he made this vow or this oath by the living God, God did strive all the, uh, drive all these out from among them. And behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off the waters that come down from upstream and they shall stand as a heap jordan as a symbol of death and it was flowing it stopped by the name of the living god el hai by the ark that the priests were carrying the nations living upon the territory of the land of israel which are our primary enemy symbolize our genetic program of death which we have inherited from the sinful conduct of our fathers and to blot out this program of death from your essence it is necessary in your prayer battle to counter or replace it with the program of life that is contained in the name of the living God, presented upon the tablets of our heart in the breastplate of judgment, upon the precious diamond with the name of Naphtali. Therefore, based on the characteristics contained in the virtues of the name of God El Hai, or God is Alive, we can conclude that the quality of a worshiper contained in the name of the living God is called to demonstrate a limitless or unconditional power of God over Genesis in the allotted to us time and boundaries, and to present the virtues and qualities of a worshiper worshiping in spirit and in truth and the qualities of the precious diamond presenting the living God with the carved upon it name of Naphtali whose name means wrestler or a man giving the Holy Spirit the ability to battle together with him against the organized powers of hell or darkness confronting us when we fulfill the will of God we turn to significantly important characteristics contained in the name of the living God identified virtues of the brilliant diamond that every worshiper of God needs to possess. This is why it is necessary for us to determine what goal does God have in his intentions when he urges and calls his children to become warriors in prayer. Also, in what way and upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God and implement or actualize his inheritance in God. Based on scripture, to be a warrior in prayer is the lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all times. This is their primary or first most purpose that is revealed in their calling, to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean in their prayer battles. 
This is one of the greatest positions that is gifted by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and a priest to God and is seen by God as a brilliant stone or the diamond stone with the name of Naphtali. The prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral or holy mystery that has an unearthly genesis, therefore is inaccessible to the comprehension of the human mind or with human abilities. From all, and that is why from all forms of service, this form of prayer is the most difficult form of service that most Christianity, for the most part, avoids, forsakes, and refuses. 1 Timothy 1.18, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare and to define and build a clear and orderly for a system that will help us understand the nature of continual prayer in the science ident identifying a warrior in prayer that would be able to be based on specific commandments of God giving man the lawful right to swear by the name of the living God. Based upon the revelations written in scripture, our prayer in the quality of a warrior in prayer identifies the virtues of the diamond needs to be relentless or continual. This is first, it needs to be relentless or continual. Second, persistent, then diligent or zealous, with boldness, with reverence, with faith and hope upon God, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit or praying in tongues. In a particular format, we have already looked at the nature of prayer in the signs of the first three components that identify the state of a warrior in prayer, as well as his prayers themselves. And stop to study the fourth sign in the nature of a warrior in prayer, this is boldness. We note that in scripture, the quality or character that is in the word boldness, prescribed in prayer as a commandment, as an undeviating instruction, and as an urgent military command, that if not fulfilled, will result in death, and a broken relationship with God, which pretty much is the same thing. We see that is in the previous components that we need to know that we're talking about such a format of boldness that belongs to the sta uh, status or state of the heart of, a of the prayer. Such boldness needs to be present in all that a person does with diligence and from the soul, because continual prayer, being an unearthly genesis, although it is done or spoken within real time and captures all of time, is out of the boundaries of time and is above time. As prayer is an unearthly language, an unearthly weapon, and an unearthly means of communication within the relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is trusted and delegated also to the children of God to be able to seek God, to get to know God, and to communicate with God. To better understand the meaning of the element of boldness, we use as a foundation for aspects to determine the essence of the proposed to us proposed to us boldness and to see the necessity of its presence in our prayer life with God. Determining, determining the essence and purpose of boldness, the price for obtaining boldness, the keeping and development of boldness, and the fruits and rewards of boldness. In a specific format, we have already looked at the determination of the essence and purpose of boldness in prayer. And before we turn to uncover the next aspects of this truly great and powerful quality, within nature of a warrior in prayer, we will consider the material we have already studied. To save time, it will remind us of the studied material, but won't go through the places of scripture, commentaries, and findings. Boldness in prayer is the existence of the lawful right within your heart to, so to receive or have what you ask from God. Boldness in prayer is the implementation in fulfilling the good, acceptable, 
and perfect will of God. Boldness in prayer is a confident strive to possessing that what we are asking for from God, based on the participation and hope of the means contained in the blood of the cross of Christ. To enter the holy place or sanctuary without boldness is demonstrating a heart that is not purified from, filth, from a filthy conscience. Boldness in prayer is the acknowledgement and proclamation of our hope upon the righteousness of God that we receive freely by the grace of God. Boldness in prayer is adjusting your will identified as the precious diamond to the measurements of the will of God, which are the golden settings that are placed within our breastplate of judgment. Boldness in prayer is counting the blood of the covenant holy where our conscience is cleansed from dead works. Boldness in prayer is the demonstration of a sincere heart before God where a person pursues the interests of the will of God. Boldness in prayer is the demonstration of absolute and willful obedience to the will of God before God. Boldness in prayer is the purifying of our motives from foreign particles of the flesh and continual abominable teachings that are not in accordance to the norms of the teachings of Christ. Of Christ. The absence of boldness in prayer is not counting the blood of the covenant holy and insulting the spirit of grace. Boldness in prayer is erecting within the heart of a man from good service to God that prepares for the prayer the greatest level and great boldness in the faith in Jesus Christ. Boldness can be of different levels, different sizes, and therefore different levels of expression. Faith in Christ with the absence of boldness does not have the right to be called faith. The absence of boldness is a demonstration of disobedience or one of the forms of conspired rebellion and disobedience. Great boldness in faith is the highest level of obedience to God, and the highest level of obedience to God is great boldness in faith. Great boldness in faith is a specific spiritual rank or the highest level and the greatest calling in the hierarchy of the body of Christ before God and His angels. Boldness in prayer is following a specific order in a strife to possess that which we are striving for, asking from God what we serve God with. Great boldness is linked to a specific order where a person comes near to the mercy seat where he needs to know his position, his time, and his role in serving God. We need to investigate who and upon what foundations delegated us to the service, God by his delegated representative or the flesh by its carnal gifts. Breaking any of these principles of order in our prayer transforms our boldness into audacity before God and does not activate the favor of God but its fl his flaming wrath. Boldness in prayer is a definition not of what we feel, but a definition of what we know. What is located not within the aspect of our feelings, but what is located within the aspect of our knowledge. Boldness in prayer is not what we feel, but what we know from hearing the word of God. God is never going to turn to our feelings and will never encourage us to be led by our feelings. God's word is information, and this information is directed to the informational organ and not the feeling or organ within us. God created us in his likeness where the information organ controls the emotional organ and not the other way around. Boldness in prayer is such an order where the information organ subjugates the emotional organ. 
And so the level of boldness in prayer can be different and depend from your level of love to God. The quality and level of love for God is examined by the absence of fear of being incomplete or insufficient before God. Boldness in prayer is an expression of the perfect love of God that drives away any fear of complexity before God. Boldness in prayer consists in revealing to all what the building of God's mystery is contained of that is in Jesus Christ. Boldness in prayer is a revelation of what the house building of the mystery of God and his eternity and the mysteries of his eternity. Boldness in prayer is the expression of such a glorious hope that abides within the hearts of a person that we, as looking into a mirror, transformed in the same image from glory to glory as in the image of God. The glory that came from the face of Moses <clears throat> brought the sons of Israel into fear because they were servants of sin. The glory that came from the face of those of the New Testament demonstrated liberty from sin. Boldness in prayer is the demonstration of the glory of God that identifies freedom or liberty in Jesus Christ. Now we will look at what price is necessary to be paid to have boldness in prayer that gives us the right to come near to God in the as kings and priests and so everything we just went through at, in boldness we will now look at the price so that we can receive all these things <clears throat> And so the first component of the price for receiving great boldness and faith is good service to God by, have, by, by serving each other. 1 Timothy 3.13, for those who have, have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Good service to God is identified as, as knowing your role well and your position in the body of Christ because we can serve each other with that gift that we have received not in, the, in our nature but by the gift of the grace of God. <clears throat> First Peter 4.10 As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. From this we can conclude that boldness in prayer is serving God with that gift that we have received as good builders of the great grace of God. Service to God and to each other that comes from the desires of the flesh is an abomination before the Lord and a person attempting to come to God or come near to God with this kind of service is not a good builder <coughs> but a destroyer. And so the boldness of his flesh will be as odd and as disobedience to God and His Word. Second, component of the price for receiving great boldness in faith is to give the Holy Spirit the ability to place us into Christ. That actually means receiving the Holy Spirit as the Lord and the Master of our life so that He, by the means of His Urim, 
in the format of his revelation would teach us to abide within the boundaries of the measure of our faith or the boundaries of the thummim that we have that identify the abiding truth within our heart. How do we abide in Christ? <clears throat> we abide within the boundaries of the measure of our faith. And the measure of our faith identifies is, is identified by the word that we place into our heart <clears throat> and is revealed to us. Upon practice, this is allow the Holy Spirit, Jesus, that is in the Holy Spirit, to present our interests upon the conditions of Scripture. And now little children abide in Him that when He appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him as His coming. 1 John 2.28 and so the price to be able to abide in Him, if we will abide in Him, we will have boldness. Abiding in Him, what does it mean to abide in Him? Is not to avenge yourself, but to give place to the wrath of God. In this way, we can honor the Lord as the High Judge. This will mean how you from your side can place yourself in Christ when you refuse to avenge yourself when you are not seeking vengeance, when you're not going to judge your brother into judgment with your brother. You know, I have had many moments when I was able to judge, go into judgment with <coughs> previous members that were holy people but then turned away. And people told me, you need to go into judgment with these people, go... Uh, go to court and I said no because if it was somebody from the world it's a different question but with a brother or sister I will not I will present this to God and in this way I place myself into him so that he can protect me because when we are in him then he takes upon himself responsibility but how can he take responsibility when I don't place myself in him when I don't want to forgive when I say I can't I it's not forgiving the forgiveness is not the act of feelings but the act of the of, a, of the mind and decision beloved do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to the wrath of God for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord therefore if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him a drink for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good Romans 12 19 through 21 and so these are those that were Christian people that become your enemies that begin to criticize you that begin to require things from you that become bitter upset against you and you see that it's uh, not legit and it's not <clears throat> and they force try to force you to do something you don't want and then you come to God and allow him to judge and when God sees your position he begins to then do his work a person that does not have great boldness in his faith or does not abide within the boundaries of the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh in the coming of Jesus Christ he will be ashamed and so boldness in prayer is an expression a demonstration of our abiding in Jesus Christ the third component of the prize for obtaining great boldness in faith is bringing to God the fruits of the Spirit Luke 8, 43 through 48. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years. Here we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. How can you receive uh, healing by the fruit, not by the gift? Now a woman <coughs> having a flow of blood for 12 years. At this time, Jesus was in a great crowd and they were cramming him. And he, it, was, it was very tight. He was trying to get through. 
She was having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. <coughs> came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. We will look. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those who, who were with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. <clears throat> now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. <clears throat> And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. <coughs> in this place of scripture, we see the fruit of faith to speak in your heart. If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. You need to have the fruit of faith and not the gift of faith to think this. <coughs> and that's, now let's look at Matthew 9, 20 through 22. <coughs> and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. <coughs> she had faith in him and she said to herself, for she said to herself, if I only make, may touch his garments, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. <clears throat> the fruit of faith is within us. The gift of faith is out of us. It is in the giver, in the Holy Spirit, and the one that he wants, that is the one that he heals. <clears throat> but the fruit of faith is within you, and as soon as it matures, you can come and get it. That is the difference when you grow this fruit. The uniqueness of the fruit of faith is that a person does not ask for healing, he just comes to Jesus and takes. He, she came and took. She did not need to ask. She already takes by faith. The one who asks is the one that does not have the fruit and wants to receive healing freely. <clears throat> to have this kind of fruit of faith, Jesus turned to the woman and said, Woman, your faith has made you well. He said, daughter, and she became well. This speaks of the fact that this woman, if she would not have received the quality of boldness, she would not have received healing. So let us look at the, uh, let's pay attention to the multitude of people who followed Christ in hopes to receive healing from him as a gift of his grace. And many of them, if you remember, then stood at the cross and shouted to crucify him. A person who receives healing <clears throat> by the fruit of faith will actually prefer to be crucified with Christ and not follow those who were shouting, crucify him. People who do not bear fruits of the Spirit at the coming of Christ will behave as 
Adam, who hid in Eden, will cover himself with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That was the uh, clothing he made for himself from leaves, the covering. The healing was the healing for the healing of the nation. People will cover thinking that they are healed, that they practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and this is justification before God. These are leaves. These are not justification. The fruit is the true garment. And so, <clears throat> the garment of a person needs to be the righteousness of God and not leaves that are grown by us. But the fruits of this tree, this is our character changed into the image of Christ. And so the fruits of our spirit is exactly that price that needs to be paid for boldness to be able to come near to God to receive uh, help in the time of need. From this we can conclude that boldness and prayer is the result of the fruit of our spirit, without which our prayer before the face of God is equal to death. The tree that does not bear fruit is chopped down and is thrown, thrown into the fire. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the, into the fire. Matthew 3.10 How unfortunate this may be. Many gatherings that support each other actually are a long time already binded and are ready for God's wrath <coughs> because except for the leaders which are practicing gifts of the Holy Spirit and uh, different other uh, work that God did not send them to do, they do. This will never be uh, the price for obtaining boldness. And so attempting to justify before God with service that God did not send them to do and practicing gifts of the Holy Spirit and personal good doing, these people, instead of boldness, they will be presenting their uh, audacity and their disobedience. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they get and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be disciples. John 15, 16 through 8. <clears throat> and so pay attention how these pseudo-zealous people uh, will behave when God will visit them and begins to weigh them upon his scales of righteousness and his me measuring wreath. Matthew 7, 16 through 23. You will know them by their fruits. Do, not, do men gather grapes from thorn, br thorn brushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, <coughs> have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so to pay the price for the, uh, for the right to possess boldness to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven where God abides, it is necessary to be dressed into the new person created by God in righteousness and holy truth. 
and that you put on the new man which which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4.24. And so a person who covered himself with leaves that presented gifts, practicing gifts of the Holy Spirit, his personal uh, good doing or good work or evan evangelism that God did not send, uh, send him to do to cover himself with these things <clears throat> in the attempt to uh, cover himself from God to be able to escape uh, uh, from greeting God and so a person who does not possess boldness is a person not freed from sin or depending from sin boldness in prayer is confirmation of and uh, confidence that you are not dependent on sin and actually are dependent from righteousness and so in this way boldness in prayer is obtained if we allow the Holy Spirit to place us into Jesus Christ where we can bear fruit to God because only by the means of boldness do we have true access to God by faith in Jesus Christ Ephesians 3, 11 through 12, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. And now let's turn to, in scripture, how in prayer do we keep and expand this or develop this boldness in our faith. And so it is as keeping the flame of fire within the lamp of our, of our spirit and to keep this flame within our lamp. We need to take care that our lamp has enough oil that we need to have only in one way, buy it from the seller. And so to keep this boldness is possible in only one way, to, <clears throat> to continue to, to expand your uh, levels or to develop your levels by abiding in trials with Christ. Don't only pay attention to what you have already conquered or obtained. You still have a lot that you need to submit to the Holy Spirit. At the moment where a person thinks that he has enough boldness and faith is, the is that moment where he begins to lose it. This is how Jesus spoke of this. Luke 11, 21 through 26. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest. And finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he does goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Based upon this place of scripture, in order to gather with Christ or to <clears throat> expand our levels or our boundaries, we need to allow Christ to abide within us, the Holy Spirit to abide within us, not as a greatly honored guest, but as the Lord and Master of our life. But Christ is as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, Hebrews 3.16, keeping boldness within <clears throat> great boldness and faith we will never be ashamed before God and during any losses we will still 
be uh, lifted up in Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that is that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Philippians 1.20 It is necessary to have uh, a priest, a high priest, which is Jesus Christ, and hold fast to your confessions to receive mercy and obtain grace for the time of need. And so having a high priest, Jesus, the Son of, uh, of God, we, have, we, don't, we don't have a high priest that cannot be compassionate with us, but one who has suffered everything but sin. <coughs> And so finally, we will look at the fruits and the rewards that are already that follow from the price. So the fruit and the reward for having boldness is showing <coughs> within our heart the registration and definition of the undamaged truth that abides in our heart and that identifies the condition or state of our heart before God. 1 John 3, 21, 22, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. 1 John 3, 21, 22. In this way, absence of boldness is that condition where our heart can uh, our heart condemns us based on the law of truth that we place there. When a heart condemns you for something, uh, it won't condemn you for something you did wrong unless you place uh, that the, that truth there or that law there. During any condemnation of the heart, any a uh, request uh, from God or a request that we make to God will remain without an answer. But if our faith is good and we will not be in our spirit and our conscience will not be uh, judging or condemning us in the moment, then our prayer will be responded to. And so boldness in prayer is the result of the fact that our heart or our conscience does not condemn us in our thoughts, our words, and our actions because they are done in God. Secondly, boldness in prayer is the result of respect and obedience uh, to the known and uh, comprehended by God by us will of God. First John 5, 14, 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. If when we ask what is by His will, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of Him. First John 5, 14, 15. The result is that we will receive what we're asking for. Third, boldness in prayer is the result of the fact that we enter into the presence of God by the means of Jesus Christ by the path that is new and living. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure waters. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And so when we enter into the holy place with boldness, we need to have 
A full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled with, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure waters. And hold fast, not pay attention to anything. Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, because the doctors will say, uh, will tell you one thing, your uh, family or your friends or those close to you will say, I know, I will know what you need. And everyone that you will talk to, everyone will tell you, because each one has their own specific knowledge to specific uh, sicknesses, and they'll tell you what they heard. But for some reason, it doesn't work for them, but they'll uh, suggest it to you. But if you hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, God, that God has already responded to you there. That doesn't mean you shouldn't accept any kind of advice or medications. Or That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact we need to have hope. hope. You take medicine, but you hope in God. Because if you don't have a hope upon God, then you... Every doctor knows that if a person does not have any faith, in his healing, any no uh, pills will be able to uh, make him better because the body will uh, confront or will throw out any kind of medicine. They will not work on this person. The body will destroy them. The body will have has this kind of law. What you believe it, what you believe in happens. But our faith needs to be based upon the word of God, and our conscience needs to not to condemn us, and we need to hold fast the confession of our hope. The, pretty much the confession of the promises. Fourth, boldness in prayer is the result of unanimity and uh, being of one soul and one mind with the, in the church that you are in. Imagine people running from one church to another church to another church, and so a leaf has been torn from the tree and is carried about there and here. Acts 4, 27-31, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever their hand and your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now the Lord look on their threats and grant to your servant that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of our of your holy servant Jesus and when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness because they were of one mind and of one heart. If they would not have had one mind and one heart at the time, this would not have happened. The results of boldness and prayer is the result of being of one mind, like-minded, and of one heart in the church you are in. Boldness and prayer is the result of when we confess within ourselves the faith of God, when we come near to justification, we are then healed from our sicknesses. Matthew 9, 20 through 22. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood, I'm, I'm bringing this place uh, or the story again, but in a different uh, component, and I want to show something different. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. The result of boldness in prayer, when we confess the faith of God, 
that we, when we touch justification, we are healed from our sicknesses. You know that many sicknesses, not all, but many are the results of our sins. And if you will be able to be freed from your sins, receive justification, then the sickness will also dry out that was produced from that sin. The Lord, the Lord wouldn't, wouldn't list the sins that people did or committed. He, he would just say, your sins are forgiven you and now you are healed. And so we need to clearly stand upon justification. Stand upon justification. Always know that you are within the service of justification. The devil will continually condemn you inside, will will pretend that it's your conscience or the voice of the Holy Spirit, but you know that the Holy Spirit will never condemn a person, he will comfort and calm a person and will tell you not to pay attention to doubts and focus upon the Word of God and proclaim the Word of God. The whole, that's what the Holy Spirit does, he will not correct you. He corrects the world, but you he will comfort and teach and instruct. And when a person in himself stands in this direction, then absolutely this boldness will uh, bring, bring this person to justification. Boldness in prayer is the result when we know or find out that the Lord forgives our sins or does not account our sins to us. This is the boldness when we find out that He forgives us and does not account our sins. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he, saw, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus answering their thoughts said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Matthew 9, 2-7 And so when a person finds out that God has forgiven and justified him. And he accepted this because many people say, yes, I believe, believe, but they have uh, this uh, feeling of uh, unfulfillment and incompletion in God and they don't believe that they're fully forgiven because they, it is not their informational organ that's controlling them, but their emotional organ. And while they keep listening to their emotions, I feel, I don't feel, God has stepped, stepped away from me, He is near me now, then nothing will work. No, he, they will not have any boldness. <clears throat> Seventh, boldness in prayer is the result of the revelation of the Holy Spirit that God will build our house and the throne of His in, in our house, the throne of his kingdom forever. And so the result of boldness in prayer is that you will receive a revelation that God will build your temple into his throne. In our heart, our heart will be a throne of his, his throne forever. First Chronicles 17, 25 through 27. For you, O my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build him a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray before you. And now, Lord, you are good and have promised this goodness to your servant. Now you have been pleased, pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue before you forever for you have blessed it, O Lord, and it shall be a blessing, blessed forever. 
The Lord or David received a revelation that God wants his throne to be an eternal throne. He accepted that, and when he accepted this, this was the result of his boldness in prayer. He uh, if we are coming to God in, bo in boldness, wait that God will absolutely respond to you, either, either by the sermons or in your spirit you will hear Him doing something, and that when the moment comes you will hear. God Himself will find the time, and He will try to bring it to you in a way that you will understand, and you will understand that this is the response to your boldness to your prayer. And that's when you will say, and this response, this will be a promise. This is not that right now you'll be able to feel feel it. David was not able to immediately experience what he uh, he he believed. God, he said that I will establish your throne forever, but it didn't yet happen. But and so there, many people say I will be raptured. I will be raptured, but. To be raptured, you need to first of all have evidence, and the evidence is that you have pleased God. If you have evidence within your heart that you have pleased God, fulfilling the will of God, then you will be raptured, not just that I have the desire to be raptured. The desire itself is not enough. You, before Enoch was raptured or, or taken to heaven, he received a guarantee, he received a and so in my youth they all always used to ask what did what is the testimony that Enoch received but the and and people kept trying to find out but it's saying it said it right there the testimony was that he pleased God it's written right there but people uh, continually tried to uh, God covered what was this testimony that God gave him the testimony that he pleased God is what it's written to please God you need to fulfill his will the good acceptable and perfect will to please him to be a warrior to do what he wants and present his interests we will pray may the Lord bless us in this prayer to present boldness before him as an informational part of us, not an emotional part of us, because, yes, we can present boldness as an emotion, but I would like us to present boldness as information that we have received based upon what we are coming to God and what God will give. Amen. Let us bend our knees and we will pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you we thank you for your for the revelations of your Urim about boldness that you have revealed the qualities, the positions, the powers that it possesses in prayer for a warrior in prayer. And we thank you, Father, that our heart does not condemn us because we have received your justification freely by the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. We thank you that we are part of your body and we have a, we are of one mind and of one heart with your holy people. We thank you that we have 
uh, put your teaching into our heart, your thumbim. We, for a sufficient amount of time, have been listening and paying attention and continue to study your thumbim, your word, your teaching, and are attempting to fulfill it. And if somewhere we are sinning, we are immediately repenting, confessing our sins, and leaving it. And in this way, we have boldness to ask from you that your will be fulfilled in our lives, that you send judgment upon the sickness of your people and that the sickness be destroyed so that you may reveal your glory and your mercy <coughs> in dressing your children into the into resurrection. Thank you that we carry within our heart the teaching that our new person is the fruit of our spirit. It is the fruit of your spirit that you want us to be clothed into. This is confessing it as our reward, as our, our own. We thank you that we have this <coughs> power and the privilege to dress ourselves by confessing the faith of our heart, the faith that we have within our heart, your faith. May the sicknesses be cursed within your nation. May your people be separated from all lawless things and from the lawless people. May they see the difference between good and evil. And may you show your glory in these last days for your people and show the difference between those who serve you and those who don't serve you. May your holy people be blessed that honor you with their tithes and their offerings in their worship that would not be complete and that would not have boldness if they did not honor you with their tithes, but you give us boldness and we with boldness can enter into your presence and present the interests of your will that that uh, affect us specifically. You want to see us healed. You want to see us happy. You want us to look forward, to look at the unseen, to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, not looking at the verdicts, not looking at the conclusions of people, even professionals. You can do all. You can confront death and drive it away and we thank you that you have already driven it away the second death we don't depend from it anymore because we are already in victory over this death having within ourselves the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life we can stand upon all intentions of death idea, and its work and we can present your entrance on earth. May your mercy be blessed for your people now and forever. Our F Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. <clears throat> and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so let us all now proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless 
before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.